Welcome to Behind the Standards with United Rentals. This is part two of a two-part episode that discusses the proper use of manufactured protective systems in the document called Tabulated Data that spells out how these systems must be used. We pick up the conversation with professional engineer Michael Barr discussing what must be done when conditions on site limit the use of a typical protective system and requires additional engineering. When we do things like that, those are situations, though, where a customer, an end user, can reach out to a professional engineer, and we can do variation letters for things like that. And what, and what that allows us to do is, as an engineer, we can analyze the soils, we can analyze the situation, you know, the, the goal that they're trying to accomplish and the, the physical constraints of the, the job site itself. And we can go in and essentially engineer it ourselves, because um, not only does Tabulated data typically give us depth ratings, but they also give us the capacity of a particular piece of equipment. And so what that does is that gives us kind of that maximum allowable, whether that's a load um, or, or a pressure rating for that particular piece of equipment. And so, um, you know, a professional engineer can engineer the soils and then engineer the situation and can provide relief through a, a letter stating that they understand what the customer's doing They've done the math and that it will check out and, in fact, work. And that's kind of the, the in-between of tab data to a full site-specific system. And what I mean by that is when we look at a full site-specific system, we're no longer using tabulated data in its natural form. We are taking information from it, which is the actual strength of the material, and then we're actually doing all of the design work ourselves. And, and by I say we, I mean professional engineers and what they're doing is they're essentially recreating the, the, the job site through math, and we're figuring out exactly what our applied loads are going to be, comparing it to the published strength of the material, and then we're just essentially running a systems check to ensure that all the components that make up that system are going to be able to withstand those pressures. And then we stamp that as an individual uh, plan for a specific excavation. And what do people really need to understand about those engineered plans when you're talking about applying those plans to materials out on a job site? Yeah, so the biggest things are going to be that, they, you know, just like tabulated data needs to be followed to a T, you know, when you look at a, a, a site-specific engineered system, um, it's going to have their own notes. And those are going to say that, you know, this system was based off of a specific type of soil condition. And if, if we notice that those change, the competent person needs to be charged uh, to reach out and ensure that what we're seeing on site that may be different um, is going to be acceptable. And so that engineer would have to reanalyze the system and, and situations where that may be the case. We could be on a site and all of a sudden a torrential downpour for you know 24 hours happens and so now we've raised our water table up tremendously. Right, that's hydrostatic load. It's applying pressure to the system, or maybe all of a sudden you know overnight. You know, we, we have a situation where job site conditions change and they needed to move a crane and all of a sudden, you know, this 100,000-pound crane's outriggers are dropped three or four feet from the edge of excavation. All of a sudden, we have additional surcharges. And so it's, it's changes in the, the landscape of what's included in that site-specific shoring system that when they change, we need to be ensured that, that the, the engineer that stamped it is aware of those. And so those are going to be the biggest things. Most site-specific systems are going to provide a setback table, and so those are going to be inclusive of the standard machinery that you would see on a job site, whether it's a 
you know, a 330 size excavator or a crane truck or a water truck or even commercial traffic. It'll give you that setback, and so those are typically uh, included with the analysis, and so those are something, obviously, that we need to, to maintain some visibility to so that we ensure that we're not going above and beyond that. And then the last thing, really, is going to be that this system was designed with certain pieces of equipment, you know, whether it's certain panels or certain strength uh, materials. So we need to ensure, one, that we're using that. You know, when we look at a beam and plate wall, for instance, we need to ensure that we're using the, the spec of beam that was called out in the plans or the exact thickness of plate or the exact size of lagging. Uh, you know, when we go to hydraulics, making sure that we're using the, the correct capacity hydraulics. And so, you know, those are a lot of, of variables that are really packed into this, this big site-specific plan. Uh, but they're all very important, and so you know, obviously nobody wants to see a, a shoring system failure, uh, but these are kind of the checks and balances that we put in place, along with the factors of safety that are included in our design, to ensure that everybody that gets into a, an excavation is going to go home the same way. You touched on it a little bit when you talked about water and hydrostatic pressure. And hydrostatic pressure, I can imagine that that one could be a recurring nightmare when you're trying to get this right. It really can, and so water is heavy, um, and you know sometimes you don't think about that. And when we look at the densities of soils, for instance, you can really vary with you know really loose sands to, to really heavy clays, anywhere from you know 60 to probably 140, 150 pounds per cubic foot. And so you know imagine filling up a one foot by one foot by one foot tub of clay weighing you know 100 plus pounds. Well, you fill up that same tub with water, and it's going to weigh about 62 pounds. Um, I think the density of water is like 62.4 pounds per cubic foot, so it's heavy, right? And so now, it, it, you know, we start to get a lot of rain or a lot of water in the ground in, in, in any circumstance, and it provides a very large surcharge. And so really the only ways to handle that are, one, design the system to be watertight, whether that's through you know, a hot rolled sheet pile or some type of sheeting that's got wadding built into it. Traditionally, you know, your trench boxes and slide rail systems are not going to be watertight. Certain types of sheet pile are. And then depending on what you're going to be doing in the excavation, right, can we tolerate water in the base of excavation? And if we can't, we've got to get rid of it somehow, whether that's dropping a sump in the base of the excavation or even putting in a dewatering system. And so that kind of go-to move when we do a dewatering system is going to be well pointing. And so they essentially set up a very large pump on site, and they drill well points all the way around the edge of the excavation, which are constantly removing water from the ground. And so um, it's, it's going to make the, the soil itself um, easier to maintain because we're pulling water out of it, and it, the soil behavior is going to be a little bit more consistent without that, that additional water layer built into it. So. Um, not only is it heavy and it provides loading, but it can it can make it very tough on a job site to ensure that the soil is going to do and behave the way you think it should. What type of interesting job site engineering, if you will, do you see on the job site from somebody who might not really be in the know, but yet they're using materials that should be engineered and they're not? I'm sure that there are some things that happen quite often that kind of make you want to pull your hair out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's it can be a scary thing, and, you know, we've seen the, the countless, you know, news articles where, you know, somebody has a, meets a tragic fate in an excavation, and, and really, when it comes down to it, the biggest shock that I see is not that end users are using 
shoring incorrectly is that they're not using it at all. You know, we've seen them where, you know, we have a personnel issue and a trench collapse, and there was a box on site sitting above ground not, not doing any work. Um, and so at that point, you know, tab data doesn't really matter. Uh, but we have seen situations where, you know, materials and insuring systems are used that are really going above and beyond really the scope or capacity that they're meant to be. And a lot of times you see that more often than not with, with you know, sheet piling. For those that don't know, sheet piling has no tabulated data. There's no master document from the steel mill that says, hey, you can drive these sheets X number of feet depth with a certain embed and, you know, it's covered. Uh, sheet piling has a strength of material and it's called a section modulus. And so it gives us a strength capacity of that sheet. Uh, and then a, a registered professional engineer actually needs to design that sheet pile system based off of the soils and the surcharges and the depth of excavation, and they're really going to allow you, and then also in that same breath, limit you on what you can do with those sheets based off the length and how they're going to be installed, et cetera. But, you know, I would say sheet piling probably is is one of the ones I most often see. But outside that, we've all seen systems in the ground, but I guess the scariest part for me sometimes is seeing when job sites are incorrectly sloped or benched. Um, that can be a, a real cumbersome task sometimes, especially when we've got really tight, constrained job sites. And so those corners can be cut, but, you know, we've got to realize that just like a piece of heavy equipment, as I mentioned before, soil has weight. And so when we, when we cut corners on those slopes and benches, we're just essentially adding additional surcharge to the system that can, over time, um, really provide some issues for us. And sloping and benching diagrams, those come directly from the OSHA standards. That's where those come from. So, And you need to follow those. Now, there are some exceptions to the rule, right? So if you have an RPE, such as yourself, who designs a specific slope and or a bench in a particular application that doesn't necessarily meet the OSHA standard, then it would be acceptable for them to do so. Have you ever been in a situation where you have designed a slope and or a bench that was outside the OSHA standard? Yeah, we actually do it quite frequently. And and so, you know, the OSHA standard is a very good tool to use. And it's got good rules of thumb that, you know, that end users can kind of work or, you know, work towards um, when they're looking at job sites. But we can certainly supersede the OSHA standard. And, and what we do, you know, obviously is short-term duration. This is not these are not permanent, you know, slopes or, or shoring systems that we're installing them for temporary use. And, and what we can do is we can actually engineer soil. And so um, that's how we go above and beyond what the OSHA standard allows. But typically that's going to, you know, require geotech reports is going to be the biggest thing, right? We need bore logs so that we can see uh, the physical and strength characteristics of the soil itself. And so based off of that, you know, we can dictate you know, how we can safely slope or bench that soil and make that a site-specific plan. Yeah, we certainly can do that. And so the combination of understanding of the OSHA standards, tabulated data, accepted engineering practices really need to be taken into consideration by the competent person on the job site. The, the competent person is is the first and last line of defense when it comes to this. So you know, they, they certainly need to be able to, to sit down and understand, as I mentioned, we've got specifications for the equipment, we've got general notes, we've got 
all these different things, not even getting into the actual charts and tables that dictate what the depth rating is, you know, dependent on the soil. And so, you know, I would say that anytime you're using tabulated data, we need to do a few checks, right? As the competent person and, and as the customer in charge of that job, we need to, to understand that the competent person has done due diligence on understanding the soil conditions. That is going to lead to them being able to, to utilize the tables and charts and graphs and the tab data to justify the use of a particular piece of equipment in that scenario. Um, and then the other big part of that is, one, understanding the limitations of use, what we can and cannot do as far as installation limitations, duration perhaps, um, or how we're utilizing that equipment. And then the other, the other arm of that is surcharges. And I know we, we beat that one to death on, on this little talk with us, but surcharges are those unknowns that, you know, when we look at site-specific engineering, you know, that, that we, we don't physically see that job site sometimes. And so we have to be able to understand that, you know, this is, this is what's going on on site um, so that we can justify and, you know, utilize that in our calculation process to make sure that, we're providing, you know, a safe engineered plan for the customer. And what I like to point out to a lot of customers and a lot of people that take my training classes is that just because, let's say, for example, just taking a simple steel trench box, just because you have a bigger, heavier, beefier box, that does not mean that you are going to get a greater depth rating because it's bigger and it's heavier. Yeah, it's not. And a lot of times, you know, when we look at how we determine loads, right, we, we've got a few factors. And one of those is actually, you know, obviously the soil loading itself, that total load, whether that's purely soil and a pure tab data situation, including the surcharge. Um, or when we've got applied loads with soil and then surcharges where we're adding those together. But when we're calculating out those capacities, the, the big variable there is the length. And so, because we're squaring that variable when we're doing this calculation. And so it gets exponentially greater when we, when we get longer, right? So we're looking at maybe an eight foot box against a 32 foot box. We've probably got double the weight of steel, probably more than that. Um, and it could be twice as thick, but that length factor that we're looking at and that tributary width that we're putting on the spreaders or on a rolling strut and a slide rail, that's where we kind of get into those 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 problems, not only with with failure, but also deflection, right? We've probably all been on a job site and saw that 24-foot box starting to bow. I will say that, you know, deflection is something that we calculate and we anticipate some deflection, right? But when we when we go above and beyond the, the traditional means and methods and, and go beyond the capacity and pressure ratings of these, you know, these shoring systems, they, they're all going to have their breaking point eventually. So we just need to make sure that we're living, you know, we're living cleanly by the, by the, the way that we're utilizing them for sure. Understanding all of this is really the key. And if you don't understand it, find someone who does make sure that everybody goes home in the same condition as when they started. And Mike, that's that's really what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, you look at any piece of tab data, which I know is kind of the the bulk of what we're talking about. And I just pulled one up and competent person is underlined, it's bold and italicized five times on the first page. And so, you know, that's important. And it, 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 even if you are a competent person, there there's no no bad reason to ever, you know, get a refresher course on that every few years. 
Um, OSHA doesn't say that you have to have it so many times every so many years, um, but refreshers are good. You know, if you don't have competent person training, get it. Having that competent person, having that understanding of the equipment, um, and then we can go even a step further, Rick, and, you know, when we look at even some of these larger systems, we actually have shoring advisors, and so these are not folks that are going to come out and hop in your excavator and move equipment around for you and rig it up for you, but they are on site to ensure that you're using tab data correctly or you're installing the system per the site-specific plans. They are there in an advisory capacity only, but we do employ those folks, and they we travel them all over the country doing this every day. So uh, we certainly have options for you. Um, beyond that, we do toolbox talks all the time. We do webinars just like this to try to get the word out so that people have no reason to ever go and do something that's going to be in that fall into that gray area that we don't want to see happen. This has been Behind the Standards with United Rentals. If you have any questions about this topic or have any suggestions about other topics that you may want to be discussed, feel free to send an email to yourtspodcast at ur.com. For additional content like the webinars we were talking about or any additional episodes of Behind the Standards, feel free to go to trenchsafetyevents.com. On behalf of Michael and myself, thanks for listening. Have a great day and stay safe.